Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Brisnet.com How to Bet the Kentucky Derby podcast. Twinspires.com thrown in there as well. Uh, for some technical difficulties, a.k.a. user error by me, we're back for episode two. Uh, Bruno will be back or will be on, uh, Bruno DiGiulio, so very excited to talk about him. As I mentioned uh, on social media and in the tease, uh, Alan Iverson probably will not be a fan of this uh, of this episode because we are going to talk about practice and uh, mainly the horses practice over in Europe and Australia and Hong Kong. They call it track work, uh, something I resist, but it does make sense. They do their work on the track, uh, and then hopefully they do their work in the afternoon, uh, especially if you bet on them. But uh, very keen uh, to get Bruno's insights, and uh, this this podcast, uh, all of them in particular, but this one especially, is not going to be about what each horse is doing, how they're looking. Uh, that information will be available at brisnet.com slash derby uh, next week, and Bruno will provide that information. So we definitely want to uh, make sure that uh, you get that uh, from him next week. So we're not going to go through the nuts and bolts of all that with Bruno, but we are going to talk about what he looks for, what is important, what isn't, Uh, As we discussed with Scott Shapiro yesterday on the first episode, uh, there's definitely a lot of noise, and uh, I contribute to it. I'm one of the reasons there's a lot of noise, Uh, but there's a lot of chatter about the derby, the horses, et cetera, and uh, especially when it comes to the morning stuff, uh, it's important to know uh, who to trust, uh, what is actually important, what maybe isn't as important as some people think. Uh, so to me, uh, Bruno can help provide that insight. And then the other thing I wanted to definitely ask him about is how important or unimportant is it when uh, we're at this stage of the game and horses are missing scheduled training, uh, scheduled workouts in the case of Gervin, which is why this is on my mind. Uh, so to me, uh, that type of thing, uh, I think Bruno can provide some good insight in. And uh, even longer term, you know, looking back to horses uh, like McCracken and Classic Empire, who will be among the top five betting choices in the Derby, uh, they miss some training for various reasons. So when does it really start to matter? When can you make up the time? Uh, those are all questions I'm looking forward uh, to discussing with Bruno uh, when he calls in, which uh, I'm sure will be uh, very shortly. So um forward to hearing from him soon. But in the meantime, I guess I'll give another plug uh, to brisnet.com, uh, graciously providing my time uh, to do this. I think it's going to be a lot of fun over the next few weeks, uh, excuse me, over the next week and a half. Uh, and to preview um, that, uh, I wanted to uh, discuss with uh, various other guests we are going to have Emily Gullickson uh, tomorrow with Optics. We're going to have Gary Young, another clocker, uh, on Thursday. Pete Dank is going to join us next week. He is with THT, uh, the uh, the stuff that Kerry Thomas does. So, uh, to me, a lot of excitement uh, coming up with uh, this stuff. So, looking forward to that.
And without further ado, Bruno is with us, so uh, sorry for the dead air, but uh, we are going to bring Bruno on to hopefully save me uh, from this uh, stammering. I'm sure he'll have a lot to say, and I believe we have him on. Bruno, how are you? Can you hear me now? We did it. Can you hear me now? All right, we're on. Technology, ladies uh... and gentlemen. (laughs) Hey, I'll tell you, I've been through, we've done some Blake Talk radios, and you've been on our shows in the past, and, you know, it's it's always sometimes an adventure, but hey, um, I'm glad to be on board. Thank you for asking me. Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, I think we've been uh, doing business together, uh, I think this will be the the fifth year. 2013 seems to, to stick out, but maybe it was California Chrome's year. Uh, but, you know, I, I see firsthand the uh, zest people have for the information you provide. Definitely one of our more popular uh, Kentucky Derby products. And as I said, that will be available at uh, brisnet.com slash derby, uh, Racing with Bruno. Of course, the flagship site for all that information as well. But, uh, I mean, you, like everyone we're going to be talking to this week, uh, busy, but also I'm sure excited for what lies ahead next week. Oh, I'm very excited. Um, every, the Derby is always a huge challenge, and I love challenges. And, you know, it's not something you just show up the last week and, you know, you kind of – you have to live it the entire – with these three-year-olds, two-year-olds turning three-year-olds and then coming into uh, Churchill Downs. You you start in, in January and you start watching these horses, and, and thanks to, uh, to Brisnet and Twin Spires, you know, you can get your Triple Crown nominations right after in, in January. And what I do is we actually have a, a, an entire product that I can follow along, have all the horses there. I can follow how they're training all the way across the country. So I can get an idea, and I love to be able to watch these some of these horses train and get a feel, or just even run, and you get a feel for who they are. Because when you get to the, to the first Saturday in May and you get to the two weeks before, you need to have some context to look at and um and you talked about noise a lot of people come in and and that noise is all about a horse and people want to tell you right away they saw the horse work well what context is that horse working on what was he doing before what is he coming out of what is some of the issues so um having context is everything it's very hard to come in and just pick them up and uh, along those lines, uh, you know, some people get here, they see the final work. Uh, you know, some horses, depending on when their last race is, might have, you know, three, four works into the derby. Uh, others, like Classic Empire, might only have one published workout uh, since his last prep race. Uh, is there a, a timing that you found is, is more important? Uh, I mean, are you into the final work? Is it the second to last work? Is it trainer dependent? Uh, what sort of cues are you looking for uh, that tell you what might be the most important piece of information you'll pick up on in the morning on a given horse? Uh, it's all about that individual horse. Uh, for example, Classic Empire. Uh, which is, I, I would much rather watch his gallops and is how he comes out of the work and his gallops after the work. That tells you a lot more than just the work. 
because you have to have, again, context of before and after. You can have the greatest work in the world, Ed, but if the horse doesn't come out of it right, it's not any good for you. And I, I, I will tell you, Animal Kingdom came in with one work uh, and just had one work after, if you remember, he had had a disaster of a work at Keeneland on the Bali at that time after winning the spiral in an incredible manner. So he needed to do something that day. He needed to show something. But what really sold me on him completely, because I, I had liked that horse since back as a two-year-old, was his gallop the day before the derby. It was amazing. That horse was doing fantastic. So I think it's a whole work in progress. And as we will talk about in the next thing you're going to bring up, which is how, you know, if there's a hiccup, then you have to handle that differently. Yeah, and uh, sort of a, a two-parter to that, because you did mention Animal Kingdom, who's trained by Graham Motion, uh, and he had a hiccup with his trainee this year, Irish Warcry. Uh, I'm not sure what you've heard, why I'm, that was such a, such a clunker. I mean, it wasn't, hey, he wasn't good enough that day. He, he didn't show up to my eye. Uh, but, uh, you know, he rebounded in the wood, and now we'll see what happens going into the, into the derby. So before we get to the hiccup this close to the derby, um, this year especially, Classic Empire, third at odds on. McCracken missed some training, third in the bluegrass. Irish War Cries, Clunker. Gunavera failed as the favorite in the Florida Derby. Uh, lots of what some may say was inconsistency. Uh, but how, how has that uh, shaped your approach to these final weeks of the Derby? Uh, are, are you looking for certain things that maybe you, you wouldn't with like an American Pharaoh who did nothing but win and seemed to do everything right? Uh, are you having to balance knowing these horses haven't been that consistent this year? Uh, you know, just to give you a, a, a taking a step back and explaining where I'm going to go with this. About six, seven years ago, I, I started putting a lot of work in, in buying my own horses and working with yearlings and weanlings and two-year-olds and, and even being more active within the training of our horses. And I have found myself to be more and more looking at these horses from a horseman's point of view rather than a clocker's point of view. And that's what makes this so much different is that I, can, I have all the confidence in the world that I can look at a horse and tell you a little something about that horse. Now, you mentioned a number of horses that had hiccups. Well, I won't revenge. Oh, excuse me, I won't revenge. <laughs> Irish war cry. Um, Irish <laughs> war cry. Yeah, I know. I know. Don't even get me there. Irish war cry <laughs> is the kind of horse that he was over at Palmetto's and we had a lot of issues at Palmetto's this year. There was a lot of inconsistencies with the track. There was a lot of inconsistency with a lot of the horses that were going over that track. McCracken had an issue with an ankle. They took him off that track, brought him to Keeneland. Irish Warcry had a, had, you know, had a bad race after a good race in the, in the Holy Bull, had a bad race in the Fountain of Youth. Motion took him off that track, put him to Fairhill, boom, he wins the wood. Come back to Classic Empire. All sorts of issues over that track. He had a foot issue going into the Holy Bull. They couldn't get him to train over uh, the Palmetto's track. Took him to Winding Oaks Farm in, in Ocala. 
The horse works there. Boom, wins the Arkansas Derby. By the way, how many daily doubles will you have a winding oaks to Arkansas Derby? I don't think that's ever happened before. Now, you, so you look at down the list, and I had my own filly there, Miss Lokes Point, that we had a lot of things happen over that track with her. So there seems to be a, with those horses, there is a, hey, look, they got off that surface, boom, they won their next start after training somewhere else. Gunavera. Gunavera was a different situation. Gunavera didn't come into the Santa Anita Derby 100%, in my opinion. I saw two videos of his works at Gulfstream Park West, and I hated each one of them. I thought he wasn't traveling right. I didn't think he was right. Then I understand he spiked the temperature. He had a lot of things going against him. He looked light. He got worried in the paddock, in the post parade, going to the gate. He just didn't look like himself. So you have to handle him differently. Now you have Gervin. Everything was going perfect. All of a sudden, he comes back over to, to Keeneland. They take him on the synthetic track. Then they jogged him on Sunday. He was supposed to work Sunday. They jogged him twice around on Sunday. Joe Sharp with a pony with Rosie on his back. They did the same thing on Monday. I did not see him today. I cannot say that he did not go out, but I can't deny it and I cannot confirm it. You know, so my issue with him now is now they they moved the work back to Friday, so there's something there. So all all each one of those horses and each and one individual is an it's it's an instance in itself. And you've got to look at it as an individual rather than as a, as, as a broad picture. But as a broad picture, you cannot have any hiccups right now. You have hiccups right now, you will not be able to be 100% in the Derby, and you will not win the Derby unless you're 150%. And uh, are, are you saying that's in, in play with Gervin, or you don't know enough to know whether he – can work this weekend and still be okay. Uh, I, I, you know, he can work this weekend, be completely right, not miss any more time and be good. Once it's behind you, once it's all behind you, you're okay. But if it's in front of you, if I make, if that makes sense, that if it's in front of you and you've got this issue that you're dealing with, I'll give you another great example, empire maker, empire maker. If you remember three days before the Derby, he came out and he was dead light. He had a bad foot, and you could see it when he was coming out and, and they had to delay the work. He logged in in one of his works, you know, that he didn't seem comfortable, and he got beat. That little, that little issue that could have been probably took two, three days, but it was in front of him, cost him the derby that year, I believe. So that's, that's something that you always got to know is not only do you get to see the work, Gervin, but then I've got to follow up each day and I've got to watch him each day when he comes on under the track because that's the biggest telltale sign is how they come onto the track. If they come up and they're gimping and they're nodding, I guarantee you they're either going to be scratched or, you know, they're going to be good enough to run, but they won't be able to put their best effort forward. And in, in those uh, cases, uh, and this gets sort of the wagering element of things, uh, obviously – uh, not ideal for betting on, on Derby Day itself, but do you find uh, that you like to watch these and that's an opportunity to uh, bet next time out or when they're sort of sour, they need more time? Um, you know, the Preakness, horsemen like to run back to that, Belmont in five weeks. 
do you find that these types uh, can bounce back, or uh, do you say, hey, they're they're done for a while? Well, you know, it, again, I just worry about it. To be honest, I just worry about today. And I'm looking at it and, and from a standpoint of watching these horses train and saying, what about this Saturday? I'm not worried about later because these horsemen, and look, if a horse is not right, Churchill Downs is fantastic as far as making sure that that horse is well taken care of. So I never worry about that. If they get into the starting gate, to me, they're 100%. That's important. Now, does that mean I'm going to go bet on them? Well, I'm just still, still going to use my opinion. But I, I have an a, a incredible amount of, 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 of confidence and respect for what Churchill Downs does to make sure that their product and their horses are 100% ready to go and safe. So that to me is, you know, I, I'm fully 100% backing what Churchill Downs does out there and, and how they take care of the horse and take care of the fans. As far as my gambling money, then I have to decide what I feel I, I can do with that part of it, whether the horse can win or lose. But that's, that's where it stops. I worry about the other stuff later. Sure. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, one thing this year I'm uh, me personally interested in, normally I'm, I'm a big multi-race better, love the pick fours, pick fives, that type of thing. Uh, typically tread lightly in the verticals, even on, on Derby Day. I'm generally the type that, you know, I want to get live to my key horses or I think, oh, there's some long shots in the Derby that, you know, could pay big in a pick four. Uh, but this year – uh, I just feel like it's, yeah, it is spread out enough. We're going to hear ad nauseum, I think, over the next week that it's wide open and chaos in the preps and this and that. Uh, I actually feel like there's a few horses I'm very interested in, and I'm going to hope they do well. And, you know, maybe there's some value in me narrowing in on them where I think others are going to try to box you know, 10 horses or wheel when they necessarily shouldn't, that type of thing. Uh, but, but from a workout perspective and, and just how you approach uh, how you see horses develop and whether they're good bets or not, do you separate uh, like, okay, maybe this horse can't win, but, you know, gosh, at 30 or 40 to 1, uh, this could be the type I use underneath? Or are you more the type that says, hey, if they're training well, then I want them in all spots and, you know, I'm looking for winners? Yeah, I'm, I get asked this question a lot, Ed, and the biggest way is the, the, the one way I'm asked is, by the way, I, I like this horse. You know, you like this horse today, right? And what price is he going to be? I kind of have a tendency to not worry about the price. I want to make mm-hmm. sure that all my boxes are checked. You know, I like the way he's moving. I like the way he's training. I, you know, the, you know, uh, there's a lot of confidence in the source, the way he's moving. So to me, that's what I'm concentrating on. I'm not worrying about the price. I think a lot of players are more worried about the price than having the right horse. And, and this is my personal experience going in, that if I concentrate on checking all the boxes that makes me confident in that animal and in that situation, you know, especially the Kentucky Derby, which is a very demanding race, I am much better served at that. Now, for example, I can go down the list of the Derby horses that I love. I didn't think they could lose. Street Sense, Big Brown, Animal Kingdom, 
um, Animal Kingdom, I've followed that entire spring, and, and, and I, I love that horse going in. Um, yeah, Orb, they all, all the boxes checked, and all everything about them was right going into that race. I didn't worry about the price. The only one that I've got a, I got no price on was Big Brown. Street Sense paid double, paid I think eleven dollars. Animal Kingdom yeah, played forty dollars. You had everybody, you had everybody at them. You know, you get Orb. I think he still paid twelve dollars, and I still complain yeah, that I didn't will take charge should have won that race. You know, but will you know? I still believe that. Wilkick charge would have been right there if he didn't get sawed off by Verrazano, but that's another story in itself. <laughs> well, I'm uh, I'm mostly with you on the the price thing, and you know it's it's a, probably a function of that I typically even in the Derby, you know, for better or worse, shade toward horses other people are on as well. But you know, at the same time, I think in Big Brown, sort of an exception, he was you know nine to five, definitely sort of light from a Derby perspective. But you know, I think of a horse. Uh, like Street Sense, and I remember, you know, even back then, 10 years ago now, uh, being active online and with other horse players and thinking, oh, how could you take the favorite in the Derby? It's 20 horses. I'd never take the chalk. You know, to me, it's just a label. Uh, nine to two is nine to two. If you want, if you want to call him chalk, that's fine. But you know, a horse with his talent and development, uh, even though Curlin maybe you know went on to proof superior later in his career, uh, you know, I thought that was a fine price at the time. And I sort of feel the same way about Classic Empire, uh, who, granted, I at this point have some confirmation bias. But, uh, you know, look, here's a horse who's been 9-5 to five in the Breeders' Futurity and the Arkansas Derby after some, you know, question, questionable training and racing antics. Uh, and he's still 9-5 to five taking money. And now we're going to get five to one in the Derby. I mean, if you love him as much as I do, why wouldn't you be excited about five to one when you know, he's never going to be that price in any other race again? Well, exactly. I think people get a little, a little out of the box. I mean, for example, and I'm not going to go mention trainers names here, but if I came to you, Ed, and said, I've got a sure shot. I got to make sure I say that right. A sure shot winner. And I give you the train. I give you the horse. And you tell me, and you look at the horse and you go, but Bruno, the guy's won for 54 in these kind of races. In any other time of the year, you would laugh at me and say, I can't bet this horse. This guy, you know, is one for 54 with these kind of horses. You know, but in the Derby, you get people that that's all they talk about. You know, they, they, they won't look at what history is within the Derby. I'm a big believer in history of the Derby, in history of a prep race. For example, the Holy Bull in, in, in Sound of Youth has not been productive in the Kentucky Derby since 2006 with Barbaro. Well, that year, the Holy Bull, you get people to say, well, oh, Barbaro won the Holy Bull. Well, Barbaro won the Holy Bull when he was a mile and an eighth. Not, and then it went to a mile, and then it went mile on sixteenth. But the Holy Bull in Florida Youth, Holy Bull in Florida Youth, and excuse me, the Fountain Youth, have not been really relevant in the whole scope of things. How's the Florida Derby play? Well, Nyquist won it last year. Yes, 
but did Nyquist train and race consistently in Florida that year? No. He came out California, came in, ran in a mile and eight, and left and came to. If you understand, if you have to understand the Derby, you have to understand it historically. And historically, that, you know, you really learn a lot of lessons, right? Um, so, I, I, you know, you really learn a lot about what works and what doesn't. And I'm just going to quote Nick Zito. Right or wrong, Ed? Right or wrong? Uh, I'd, I'd say right more than wrong uh, in, in this case. And uh, speaking of that, though, that's a great segue. Uh, and I, I warned you I'd ask you, uh, you know, talked about some successes, certainly Animal Kingdom. Uh, there's a $40 horse in the Derby. Uh, keep you in oats for a while. But uh, it's a learning game, and we learn from our mistakes, uh, maybe even more than we learn from our successes. Uh, anything you, you look back on that you say, you know, I got that wrong, what did, what did I miss, uh, that you, you know, improved upon or that, you know, made you change the way you look at certain horses or certain patterns uh, in regards to, to workouts and assessing them? Well, you know, I always believe I always learn every day. Um, you know, you kind of try to, you know, make your craft better. Um, and I spend a lot of time, I try to spend a lot of time looking at the horse rather than looking at my stopwatch because a very fam- a famous trainer in 1992 named Francois Bouton, actually 1993, said American trainers spend too much time looking at their stopwatch instead of their horses. Well, <laughs> the French could talk, but, uh, you know, in some, in some respects, aspects of this, you know, he is correct. And I would prefer, and, and what I did with Arrogate during, in the Pegasus World Cup I did not like the way he trained. What I learned from that after he romped in stakes and world record in, uh, in track record time was that he was training on certain surfaces that he was not comfortable over. And he, he was doing it, but he wasn't looking like the horse that I had seen in the Breeders' Cup where I gave him five-star works. I loved him. People are like, you have something against a horse. No, I don't. <laughs> it's just the way he's moving. But it was because of the surfaces. So I, and I try to train my guys like Brandon and Amy and everybody that, that works with me is to really, really learn what those, what those horses are going over. And this is another thing, too. Churchill does a great job. That track is perfect right now, isn't it? It looks good. They move over it well. You don't see any dropping of the head where it's a little loose. So I really count on understanding what that track, and that's what it taught me to make even more of an effort. Understand the track that it's under their feet, because then you'll understand the horse and you'll see more. All right. I I warned you about that question, but uh, didn't actually plan for another perfect segue. But, I mean, speaking of track underneath their feet, uh, rain absolutely in the forecast later this week. Uh, always a matter of when it hits, uh, time of day wise, in terms of how it might impact uh, morning training and scheduled workouts and such. But uh, you know, these all these horses have to get a work in at some point, and uh, you know it might rain every day, 
how do you uh, how do you assess when it's on the mud, uh, the condition of the track when it's off? Uh, you know, is, is it just still a matter of hey, how do they come back from it? Did they get enough out of it? Is that the most important thing, or are you more likely to dismiss a bad work over a sloppy surface? What's your approach uh, when the rains come? You know, I always try to take an approach of what will we do if it was our horse. And um, and I'll go back to one thing that the, that the, that the late, great, Hall of Fame, all-world Bobby Frankel said. And these horses are overtrained anyway, you know. So if a horse misses the last work because of track condition, to me, it means nothing. It only means something to the trainer who's really worried about getting that last work in because in their mind, they're thinking fitness. But these horses are fit. They're ready. And to me, I would rather see more of, well, let's say, you know, instead of working them on that bad track, I think there was, what was it, a couple years ago, opportunity where it had to be scratched because he had a, he worked on the, on the, uh, he worked on a sloppy track and, and Baffert thought better than running them because something came up and it worked out great because, you know, the horse ended up burning what, $3 million, you know, but, uh, you know, so something like that, you know, you rather avoid. So I, I don't mind a horse missing a work on a bad track on, on a, on a wet track, not a bad track, a wet track. You know, because then, you know, I'd rather, I'd, I'd rather bring that horse out and watch him do a two-minute lick with a nice little finish down the lane, and you get the same thing. I, who was it? O'Neal with I'll Have Another? Didn't work him one time over at Churchill Downs, remember? Yeah. He, he galloped him. Two-minute licks or little finishes down the lane. So, you, again, you look at each individual, each individual horse in a different way, and, and you try to – you, you, you try to try to understand what that trainer does with one of the things that really works. And you asked me about what, what we do is we put on different hats for different trainers. Some trainers will work fast. Some trainers will work slow. Some trainers will work short. Some trainers will work long and to have different hats for each trainer gets you kind of to understand how the horse is coming into the race and how you can actually be able to understand it, write about it, have people follow and go play it online at twinspires.com. They can go play the races and, you, and, and be able to go with confidence that we're out there looking at, that, at these horses and not just our stopwatch. It's uh, very good information, and uh, not only because it is, but also very applicable. Uh, like, I, like I said, I definitely think the rains are coming, uh, and that'll be uh, good to keep in mind. And uh, good to, to plug the product uh, one last time. Again, uh, available at firstnet.com slash derby at Racing with Bruno, uh, but not only uh, are you giving, you know, ratings on the published works, but, you know, there is analysis of how they come out of it uh, and their training leading up to the race, which, uh, to me, uh, absolutely invaluable when making those fine-line decisions. Uh, you know, reality is you can't use them all on 20 horses. Tickets get expensive, uh, and your insight definitely uh, helps me, uh, you know, be very comfortable with my tickets and no guarantees, uh, obviously that, you know, you're going to win every year. Uh, but to me, you want to be comfortable with the money you're betting and thinking you're covering your opinion. Uh, and I think your stuff does a, a great job in assisting horse players in doing that. Uh, do you have, uh, like I said, at the top of the show, uh, we're not going to give anything away in terms of individual horses, uh, but do you, do you have a tease 
for us of something you, you think might be percolating of a of a strong opinion that might uh, surprise some people? <clears throat> well, I haven't made my final decision who's going to be my derby my my derby pick. However, I have a scenario in my mind, and the, the big one of the biggest things that I've always that I kind of look at is when there's a lot of confusion in the race. I tend to follow the the logical route, and when there's a lot of thought about, well, oh, all these horses, there's so confusion, it's wide open. I go right to the basic. Who ran the best races last time out? Who is coming up to the race better than anybody else? So if there's a tease, if there's a tease here, is that last year's two-year-old champ, uh, the last year Nyquist was the two-year-old champion of the year before and ended up winning. Um, and he won emphatically with a great trip with early speed sitting three wide. Classic Empire fall along the same way. And like I told you earlier, it sits behind him. His problems are behind him. Now he needs to go into the race the way he, the way he was for the Arkansas Derby. If he doesn't have a hiccup, you've got to look at that horse, and you cannot toss him. Because if you toss him, you're really tossing the horse that's going to be one, two, three if he runs his race. And I will leave you with this. In the Santa, at Santa Anita, on that hard track over there. Classic Empire won the Breeders' Cup Juvenile with a quarter crack. How good is that horse? To go over, to, to, huh? to get over, to, to win with a quarter crack and, and, and to win in the Arkansas Derby while he is training at, you know, Cala. You don't make that stuff up, do we? You know, that's what that horse did. That's how good that horse is. Well, I certainly like hearing that. I've been a fan of his for a long time. So, uh, you know, we'll hope hope for the best over the next week or so. But, uh, you know, with 19, 20 other horses still in the mix, a lot of uh, different ways I'm sure you and betters can go. So, uh, Bruno, I really appreciate the time. Great discussion and insight. Uh, racing with Bruno on Twitter, uh, brisnet.com slash derby for the reports, racingwithbruno.com as well. Uh, should be a, a great next week and a half. And obviously we, we touched on derby, uh, but you you do have the full card for Oaks and Derby next week, correct? Oh, absolutely. We're counting on that. And I got some horses I've been waiting to play next next weekend. Good. All right. Well, we'll uh, play them along with you, or at least I will. Hopefully others will too, and uh, more importantly, cash. But uh, thank you again for the time. Great discussion. Yeah, thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Let's do it again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll see what happens for Preakness and uh, Belmont. Bruno, ladies and gentlemen, uh, and that'll do it for Episode 2 of uh, the How to Bet the Kentucky Derby podcast. Uh, appreciate Bruno's time. We'll be back tomorrow with Emily Gullickson from Optics, Gary Young on Thursday. Uh, we're going to wrap in uh, Michael Baychalk at some point. Pete Dank is going to join us. Danny Zucker, Predictiform. Uh, lots of uh, different perspectives uh, on how to handicap this race, and hopefully we'll find some winning tickets as well. 
That's it for today. That's it uh, until tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.